Hello, my friends, and welcome to another Cup of Joe podcast. It is Monday, October the 25th. Wherever you are, my friends, where, at whenever uh, you find yourself listening to this, uh, I wish you God's grace and God's life and God's goodness. I am uh, grateful that you are taking the time to join me in, break open, in breaking open God's word here today. Uh, on this Monday. Hope you had a good weekend. Uh, it was wonderful at the Zank House. Not that you necessarily need to know any of these things, but our oldest three kids, uh, I will call them the wise three, uh, and that is for my, my twins. There's an inside joke there. But um, they came home for the weekend, and we uh, celebrated my wife Renee's birthday yesterday and uh, just being together and um, just so good, so good. So, hey, um, we are in the 13th chapter of the Gospel of Luke. Last week, if you listened to those uh, episodes and we, we walked through most of the 12th chapter, there were some real strong um, statements by Jesus. You might recall that. You know, Jesus was, was telling us to gird our loins, right? Light our lamps, that it's not going to be for the faint of heart, that he came uh, to set the world on fire and not bring peace, but 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 a sword, right? Oh man. And that he's like a thief and we gotta, we gotta be ready for that. All those things. It was like, whoa, you know, all that vision, not only of second coming idea, but also of opening ourselves for that coming right now. How do we prepare ourselves? Because we must. And then how do we, how do we read the signs of the times with what's going on in our world? and have the discernment, because remember, the Spirit's been given to us, so we, we're called to discern uh, with what is happening in the world, and is that of God, and is it of not? And so we talked about how do we help discern what, what looks like those things that, that uh, is God-ordained and those things that are not. Okay, so we're going to change gears now with the, you know, and 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 when, of course, Luke wrote this, and, and uh, there were no chapter demarcations. He didn't say, you know, okay, let's write this, and then we're going to go to the next chapter. That's modern day writing. No, he wrote a story. He wrote it all. And, uh, and then we, and not, not Joe Zank, but scripture theologians in later dates broke it down into chapters, and sometimes they did that based on changing of themes, and this would be one. Uh, chapter 13 started out on Saturday, uh, where Jesus and a crowd were were talking, uh, and um, they were they were concerned about something Pilate had done, and Jesus was saying, "Listen, do you think that those people that Pilate uh, took and and did some of these things did something bad, uh, or were worse sinners than the rest?" And and you know, a tower fell on some other people that in that day and age. He said, "Do you think those?" people that, that had that tower fall on them. You think they were greater sinners than others. And he talked about, no, how, you know, that, that, that we're called to, to bear fruit. I, I don't do this to, um, I, you know, I don't know, lengthen the podcast. I don't do it to, to have you go back and, and reread it. If you do want to, that's great. It's, it's chapter 13, verses 1 to 9. But just to say the theme was, has been switching a little. So today, what we're going to do is read chapter 13, verses 10 to 17. Again, we're going to see a little bit different thing. In fact, we're going to see healing today. 
but the healing is really almost secondary in, in, in a weird sense, if I can say that, than to the teaching about the healing. Uh, certainly wasn't secondary to the woman that's going to be healed. But let's break open God's word here. Again, for those who wish to follow along, Luke 13, verses 10 to 17. And let's see where the Spirit invites us today. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus was teaching in a synagogue on the Sabbath. And a woman was there who for 18 years had been crippled by a spirit. She was bent over, completely incapable of standing erect. When Jesus saw her, he called to her and said, Woman, you are set free of your infirmity. He laid his hands on her, and she at once stood up straight and glorified God. But the leader of the synagogue, indignant that Jesus had cured on the Sabbath, said to the crowd in reply, There are six days when work should be done. Come on those days to be cured, not on the Sabbath. The Lord said to him in reply, Hypocrites, do not each one of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his ass from the manger and lead it out for watering. This daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound for 18 years now, ought she not to have been set free on the Sabbath day from this bondage? When he said this, all his adversaries were humiliated, and the whole crowd rejoiced at all the splendid deeds done by him. My friends, the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So let's do a little bit of background here on what is happening. What, what is the argument? Where is it coming from? Now, many of you may know this, so, so forgive me if I'm being a little rudimentary. But, but of course, in the Ten Commandments, now that came down from Moses, that uh, the, the third commandment is you shall honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. Now, what the, the uh, scripture scholars did at the time uh, and, and through Mishnah and, and through some, some writings, would, uh, they, would, they would break that out and say, okay, if we're going to keep the Sabbath holy, what does that look like? Now, do we simply say, well, you got to go to Mass on Sunday uh, for us as Catholics now? Well, that would be a pretty minimal uh, look at it. And, and they would have agreed. They'd say, listen, you know, it's, it's more than just observing the Passover. What does that mean? How do we, how do we not, not work on the Sabbath? And so they, they made a, a number of laws based on that. And one of those things was... Um, you can only, you know, say walk 50 steps or something, or you could not undergo anything that was considered quote unquote, and I'm putting air quotes here, work. So what is happening here is it's on the Sabbath and this woman who is bent over, it, it literally can't stand up straight for 18 years who has had to deal with this. They're in a synagogue. Now know this, this is an important part of this. In fact, maybe the most important part of it. Synagogues at the day, it's believed. Now, it's not universally believed this, but it's believed that they were segregated, meaning that the men were in front, and then at the back of the synagogue, there was like a gate, a grate, something like that, and the women and the children were on the other side of that. 
And such as one of the reasons a bar mitzvah would have been such a big deal was that would have been the rite of passage for a young boy who was 13, who was on the one side of the grate, was brought into the adult male community on the other side and was given the law because only the men were able to read from the law at that point. So why is that a big deal? Because this woman would have been bent over double on the other side of the grate and a long way from where the action was, from where Jesus was. But yet Jesus saw her. When Jesus saw her, she was a non-entity to the synagogue official. She was a non-entity to most of the men on the other side. Can I put this? Can I say this? And again, I'm going to do it air quotes, on the right side of the great. And here, Jesus, and again, this is, this is such Luke's gospel, brothers and sisters, such Luke's gospel. He notices those on the fringe. And, and remember, I talked about this, gosh, had to be about a week, two weeks ago, that Luke, uh, some people say he was that gospel of women, right? Because not only he, he, not only did he notice women, foreigners, you know, uh, those on the fringes, um, lepers, uh, you know, anybody, any of those outcasts, the Jesus of Luke's gospel is always going to them. And here is another example of that. Jesus saw her in her circumstance where other people didn't see her. And he did. Now, I don't want to jump to that yet, but again, I'm going to jump back to it because, again, I think that may be the key point to the story. And, uh, and what he does, literally what he does, is he touches her. And he notices her, and he says, Woman, you are set free of your, your infirmity. He lays his hands on her. And she stands up straight and glorifies God. Well, the leader of the synagogue is indignant that Jesus cured on the Sabbath because as he says, work can't be done on the Sabbath. Remember how I said all this, you know, the Sabbath, we've got to keep it holy, but they had come up with all these laws about what that meant and what work you can't be done, you know, you can't do work on the Sabbath and what constituted work and what didn't constitute it. And Jesus says, you hypocrites. You guys untie your ox or your ass and you take them to the watering hole and back. You know, as long as it's under those 50 steps, you say that's not work. But here I'm merely laying my hands on someone. And you call that work? That, that they pick and choose. What was really the issue going on here? And it's pointed to in Jesus saying this daughter of Abraham has been bound by Satan for 18 years. It was Abraham whom God gave the covenant to. And Moses furthered that covenant. And and at the base of Mount Sinai, God gives the covenant not only to, to Moses through the Ten Commandments, but to the people of Israel. But it started through Abraham. And so the law which this synagogue official is trying to protect, Jesus is saying, you're not understanding what the law is for. You're not seeing the big picture. You're seeing the small picture. She's part of the people of Israel who God redeemed and made as part of the covenant on Sinai and through Abraham. She's part of it. But yet you're keeping, through through your understanding and interpretation of the law, you are keeping her from freedom. And that, brothers and sisters, is the whole Exodus event. 
meaning when Moses came to, to Egypt and brought them free. It's one of the two greatest events in the, in the history of the Hebrew people, the Exodus event and the Babylonian captivity event, setting them free there. And that idea, that journey from slavery to freedom. He even says she was in bondage and ought not she be brought from bondage on the Sabbath day. Is that work, brothers and sisters? And, and, and Jesus names it and says, you're, you're being hypocritical. You're trying to hide behind the law where the law is to bring us from bondage, from slavery to freedom. I'm doing that by touching someone, by noticing someone. And you're hiding behind the law and saying that's not right. Brothers and sisters, I talked about Friday, reading the signs of the times. Where do we know God is involved? Yeah, those are two good ones, right? Freedom. Noticing someone. That's where God is involved. And that's where Jesus is pointing. And somebody else is hiding behind law in order to inhibit freedom. Even though it may sound good, it may, it may you know, sound like, uh, oh, that's wonderful because it's churchy and, and you know, I can base it and root it in, this, in these Ten Commandments. Um, brothers and sisters, and, and listen, I am not opposed to church law, and I am not opposed to the Ten Commandments, but only to the extent that they point toward freedom, only to the extent that they, they lessen the bondage, and they bring us into community, and they allow us to glorify God by being who we are. Make no mistake about that, brothers and sisters. I think that's the whole point of this gospel is are we using the law to set people free or are we using it to keep them in bondage? That's the argument here. And it's clear which side Jesus is on. And gosh, the people could even see it, right? We know when we know. And they knew. And that's the reason, brothers and sisters, the synagogue officials, the Pharisees, all those people, they wanted him to put, be put to death because they knew it too. And he didn't uphold their understanding of law and the way of control. Because, again, control and power are often behind these things. Brothers and sisters, the things I want us to chew on today in this gospel, and I mean me too, is do we notice people? I don't know that the synagogue official ever noticed her. Maybe he did. But maybe he simply saw uh, an old woman who doesn't, who doesn't assist in, in, in what I'm doing or where I'm going or what I'm about or, or how I want to set up these synagogue rules or, or order. Jesus noticed her on the outskirts. And what did he do? He, A, touched her. Well, he, okay, A, noticed her. B, he went to her. C, he, he spoke to her and said, woman, you are set free. Remember? Bondage? Freedom? Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. And D, he touched her. And what did that mean? In noticing, in moving toward, in speaking to, and in laying hands on, she was able to stand up straight and glorify God. Now, we can look at that and say, okay, all of a sudden she's, she's no longer hunched double. She's able to stand up and she glorified God by saying, praise God. Okay, in one reading, maybe. 
But there's more than that, brothers and sisters. Isn't this about dignity? Do we see those people on the outskirts right now? They are legion. And they come in all shapes and sizes and colors. And do we go to them? B. And do we speak to them words of healing and freedom? And do we lay hands on them? And what does that give them? It gives them a dignity in order to stand up straight. And how do they glorify God? By embracing who they are in their own dignity and living that out. Brothers and sisters, this gospel is today's gospel. There are people all over the place that are simply crying out to be noticed. You know, we, we darn Catholics, we carry a treasure. And I think we, we just, it's so commonplace to us, we don't even look at it. But the sacraments are a treasure, brothers and sisters, a treasure. You know, people, uh, you know, and I'm just going to, I'm going to pick on one. Pick on is the wrong word. I'm going to talk about one. The sacrament of reconciliation. You know, I, I'm at church every weekend, and, and I see how few people use that right now. And some people may say, ah, you know, because they have bad experiences of it or they're, or they're afraid and it's, it's vulnerable and there's no doubt about all those things that, that it has been abused. And that doesn't mean by most people. I, I don't think it has by most. I, I think that there are some that did. Um, and when I say abuse, I don't mean sexual abuse, but maybe just, you know, people were, were uh, experienced anger or something in it. But again, I think that's few and far between. I think it's vulnerable. But here's, people have often asked me, Joe, why do we have to go to, to uh, confession, to use the old word, or reconciliation now, um, uh, as Catholics, to have our sins? You know, we don't, brothers and sisters. Jesus Christ is, is the one who gets to forgive us right now, right here, today, in this moment. But brothers and sisters, my answer is, we get to go. We get to go. Why is that important? Because we get to look at somebody and we get to have them look at us and tell us that we are forgiven and have our put their hand on our knee or hug us or shake our hand or whatever it is. Why? Because we are physical creatures. We need to hear sometimes that we are forgiven. We need to see somebody looking at us and say, you are worthy of God's grace. Not because we're good, because we're his, that's why. And, and to embrace us in that reconciliation. We are an earthy people. We are made that. And just as Jesus noticed her and went to her and, and talked to her and touched her, and there was healing in that, and there was dignity in that and freedom in that, so it is, brothers and sisters, in these sacraments that we get to celebrate, but we don't even pay attention to them. You know, we get to go up and receive Christ's body, but we get to look at somebody and they get to look at us and say, the body of Christ. And they're not just saying to what we're putting in our hands, although they are, they're saying it to who we are. Do we know that? Do we stand up straight and see and understand the dignity in that? Brothers and sisters, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something from Romans in today's reading because it's so good Romans 8, and I'm sure I'm going to be doing more of Romans 8 this week because Romans 8 is just a treasure. But here's what he says. For you, meaning you, I, everybody, we did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, 
but received a spirit of adoption through which we cry, Abba, Father. We did not receive a spirit of slavery and fear where we double over, where we hide, but one where we stand up straight and where we embrace who we are. I know I'm going long. I'm just so excited about this gospel. I want to leave us with this, brothers and sisters. I told you before I was reading a book on the Enneagram. It's so good. I finished it last night, and he finishes it with a blessing by John O'Donohue. And if you don't know John O'Donohue, oh, get to know John O'Donohue. He wrote Anamkara, or To Bless the Space Between, and, and God rest his soul, he passed away before his time. But Celtic spirituality and good stuff. And he, and, he, and he ends the book, this Enneagram book, with a John O'Donohue blessing. And I want to read it. I want to end my, my uh, words here today with it. But he says this, May you recognize in your life the presence, power, and light of your soul. May you realize that you are never alone, that your soul and its brightness and belonging connects you intimately with the rhythm of the universe. May you have respect for your individuality and difference. May you realize that the shape of your soul is unique, that you have a special destiny here, that behind the facade of your life there is something beautiful and eternal happening. May you learn to see yourself with the same delight, pride, and expectation with which God sees you in every moment. Brothers and sisters, we don't need to hide behind the facade or the great. Our God sees us and delights in us. And may you see that in yourself and in others, and may you stand up straight, and in doing so, glorify God. Let's pray. And so we begin, brothers and sisters, uh, with the joyful mysteries today. Um, gosh, appropriate enough, huh? And so we begin uh, bringing everything that's going on in our, in our spirits to God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. The first joyful mystery, the Annunciation. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, Blessed art thou among, <laughs> pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death, amen. You can tell I was thinking about something else. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. 
Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. O my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell. Lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. John O'Donohue, pray for us. My friends, bless you. Have a wonderful Monday. Hope this week is, uh, is one of goodness for you as well. And uh, look forward to us breaking open more of God's Word together this week. God's peace.